0: If you would turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter four, is where we're going to be this morning. Uh, th- this past summer, uh, the SunBass Convention was like in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, I-, I don't really like flying that much, and so I decided I'd drive, jumped in my little smart car, and drove all the way up there, camped the whole way, just had a blast. Anyway, on the way up there, I stopped off in Dayton, Ohio, at the the, the National Air Force Museum. Have y'all ever been there? It is really a cool place. I spent actually two days going through that thing. Uh, I just love airplane, big old airplanes, military aircraft and that sort of thing. Anyway, while I was there, one of the airplanes that they have in like four hangars of stuff is the B-29 that dropped the bomb on Nagasaki that ended World War II. I mean, the actual plane is sitting inside this gigantic hangar there. And right next to it, they actually have... I think it's a model. hope it's a model of the atomic bomb that they dropped on Nagasaki. Actually, they have models of it and the one that they dropped on Hiroshima as well. And, and right next to it, they have this gigantic panel that explains how an atomic bomb works okay? I think if you stand there and read the whole thing, they automatically put you on the do not fly list. You're immediately branded as a terrorist. I mean, it had an amazing detail there. I actually think I could go home and build one in my garage. Does anybody have any uranium laying around the house or plutonium? You know, we might give it a try. But I mean, just incredible detail, and I learned a lot. I'm kind of a dumb oaky and not very good at science type stuff, and, and it was the amazing thing. I didn't realize that there's two different kinds of bombs that they dropped there in World War Two, uh, and one of them kind of works like a rifle. They they, they take a little tiny. Atomic piece of something, atomic particle, and they fire it at a mass of stuff, and it causes a chain reaction that unleashes an explosion equivalent to 20,000 tons of TNT, is what it was in World War II. Now they have bombs at like a half a million uh, tons of TNT. I mean, just a, just a little tiny particle fired at velocity into that it created a chain reaction. Folks, this morning I'm going to share with you a tiny little truth that can cause a chain reaction in your life, in your church, and and that chain reaction can have an amazing effect on your life. It can be a revolution. It can be a transformation. You may never be the same again. If you like this little truth, uh, begin to take root in your life, okay? Now, I just have one point today, okay? Can you handle a one-point sermon? Uh, And that... One point just has four words, okay? Can you handle four words? Grab your four best brain cells and wrap it around these four words. Are you ready for this? You're, everybody say it. You're saved to serve. Everybody got it? You're saved to serve. Everybody say it again. You're saved to serve. Now, turn to the person next to you and point at them. Try not to poke their eye out point at him and give it to him real good. You're saved to serve, okay? You've been wanting to do this for a while, haven't you? Okay, Okay, now, now take your fingers like this. And point them back at yourself and give yourself both barrels. You're saved to serve. You're saved to serve. Everybody, got, That's my sermon right there. I have one point, and you got it, okay? You're saved to, to, to serve. That's all you got to remember today. That, that That's my, my, my message today. That's my point. Now, we're going to look at a, a passage of Scripture from the Gospel of Luke and uh, chapter 4 and just a couple of little verses here. Uh, if you would look at verse 38, of course, this is fairly early on in Jesus' public ministry, the also knows the great Galilean ministry that's taking place here. Uh, anyway, uh, verse 38 says this, and says, "Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house, but Simon's wife, mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. And so he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And here it is, and immediately she arose and served them. Uh, You're saved to serve. That last little phrase is really kind of where we're going to camp this morning and and talk about it. Now, uh, in this particular period of time in which this story takes place, it was an incredibly busy time in in Jesus' life. Uh, I mean, in the 24 hours surrounding when this took place, uh, he's preached the Sermon on the Mount, he's healed a leper, he's healed the the centurion's servants, uh, he... he, uh, preaches in the synagogue in Capernaum. Uh, he heals Peter's wife's mother, the story we just read there. Then the whole town comes, and, and Jesus does an amazing work there, a revival breaking out in Capernaum. And, and, and then who knows how late that lasted. And, and then the, the, it says the next morning he gets up early before everybody else and goes out to pray. Now, he's a busy dude, right? Now, I, I run into people all the time that talk about how busy they are. And all I gotta say is is Jesus shows us what one hundred percent looks like. Uh, And, and, uh, you know, it's one thing to run around and say how busy you are and goof off half your life. It's another thing to measure your life alongside Jesus in the way that he used his time. Uh, And Jesus shows us what a life that's not wasted looks like. And there's many of us need to recalibrate our lives to be more like Christ and stop wasting the precious time that God has given us. One other thing I just point out as we dig into this is, is that when Jesus began His ministry here on Earth, I mean, for all practical purposes, all of it rested on His shoulders. I mean, he was surrounded by a sea of lostness, lost people everywhere. There were sick people all over the place, demon-possessed people all over the place. I mean, need upon need upon need all around him. And there was really just one person, and that was Jesus Christ, God incarnate himself, who could do anything to help. And from the very beginning, it was Jesus' intention to help those people, to save those people. But then, as he saved those people, to immediately begin to incorporate those people into his kingdom work, into this great kingdom movement that's taking place that Jesus is inaugurating and initiating it through his public ministry there. Uh, People were, by design, saved to serve. Now, uh, this particular story with Pete, Peter's wife's mother, yes, Peter had a wife, uh, and when you get a wife, a lot of time you get a mother-in-law that comes along with that. I had a wonderful mother-in-law, just a sweet Christian lady there. Uh, Peter has a, a mother-in-law, and she is sick. Now, uh, Luke, who wrote this gospel, he is a physician, uh, and uh, he may have actually used a medical term here uh, of the day because he refers to this as a burning fever. Ha- have y'all ever been so sick that, I mean, you just had a really high fever? Uh, You know, I've I've had fever like 105 or so. Uh, You know, I had mononucleosis when I was a senior in high school and actually walked across graduation with about 105 degree fever. Actually got disoriented as I went across the stage. My dad was on school board. He had to actually guide me off stage. I mean, I was just out of my head with that fever. Uh, You know, uh, well, this is one of those kinds of fevers Only thing is, back in those days, they didn't really have anything that they could do to treat it. Oh, yeah, you could get some quack, could come along and pronounce some sort of of, uh, exorcism type spell over you. You could find somebody that that was some sort of alchemist, kind of had some sort of potion that would probably about half kill you. Uh, Even the rabbis got in on the act. We we have some of their ancient writings where uh, they tell the other rabbis what to do. And if you had a burning fever, here's what the rabbis said in the town that you're supposed to do about it. You were to go take a braid of hair and tie it to a thorn bush. That's high state medical care, right? Kind of like Obamacare. But anyway, uh, (laughs) you'd either get better or go bald, right? that's the best that they had to offer. Now, this was a life or death situation. This woman's life was at stake. She could have died because of this fever that they had. Now, the people around her do a smart thing. They do the right thing. They go get Jesus. Uh, you you know and and that's the best thing that you can do regardless of whatever problem that you run into people going through you can just take them straight to Jesus you can do that through prayer you can do that through showing the scriptures Uh, but getting a person in contact with Jesus is the best answer to every problem and don't you ever forget that but anyway they get this woman in contact with Jesus now it's kind of fun to compare the different gospels and the different perspectives that they have on this story Uh, 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 for For example, Luke, the physician, talks about how Jesus stood over her, kind of like a physician would stand over a patient. Uh, Mark talks about how he took her by the hand. Uh, Luke talks about how he rebuked the fever. Uh, Mark talks about how he lifted her up. What a great picture that is. Jesus lifting this woman near death out of the bed. And, and, and uh, Matthew points out that this is actually a fulfillment of Isaiah 53. Uh, it's a great description of what the Messiah would look like. And then Jesus is fulfilling that right before the very eyes there. And this woman is immediately and completely, totally, permanently delivered of this fever that she's going through there. What a great, wonderful testimony to the power of Christ to help a person. He still helps people today, by the way. Uh, But what follows is one of the reasons why I think this story is included in the Gospels. Because uh it, it, just that little sentence that we we pointed out a while ago, and immediately she began to minister to and began to serve them, is one of the, the reasons why I believe that the gospel writers, all uh, three of the synoptic gospels include this story in there just to show the immediate outcome. Certainly it was proof of the completeness of the miracle that Jesus performed. She didn't need two or three days to get over it after Jesus healed her. Uh, But it shows her heart of love, her immediate willingness to go and to begin to serve. Immediately, she started doing it. Immediately. Did you catch that? She started serving. I I mean, she didn't even have the benefit of a spiritual gift survey. Uh, You know, she didn't sit through any kind of Sunday school discipleship training. I mean, she had never read a study course book, if some of y'all are old enough to remember those. Uh, she had never even watched a Beth Moore video. I mean, she just immediately gets up and starts doing something to serve. She did whatever she could, however she could, to whomever she could, wherever she could, whenever she could. Man, she was just ready, locked on, ready to serve. And, and that's the heart that saved people ought to have. A desire, a passion just to serve Jesus however I can, wherever I can, whenever i can that 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 was her heart there that 's god 's design that 's what we 're called to do and be as Christian people man if, if the church would just catch that idea uh, now, now churches are wonderful organizations, but I think we 're just scratching the surface of uh, surface of what we could be and what we could do if we really understand what god can enable us to do and what he's called us to do what his design and desires are for us to do it's his purpose for Christians to serve well why then <laughs> are there people that really aren't aren't serving you know you know I mean it's it's his design uh, uh, a number of years ago, a guy by the name of Ted Engstrom, uh, You know, he's connected with World Vision. Some of y'all are familiar with that organization. But he wrote several books. In, in one of his books, In Pursuit of Excellence, he tells a story could could happen to any one of us. Uh, a storm passed through the area where he lived, knocked out the power in his house, and so he uh, goes to another part of the house and knows there's a flashlight in uh, one of the drawers. And so he gets a flashlight, turns it on, nothing happens. Now, you are good, smart, scientific people. What's the first thing that you do when a flashlight doesn't work? You hit it. That's right. Now, I'm not going to demonstrate this for the benefit of the sound crew, but anyway, you hit the thing, you know, and if it doesn't come on, what do you do next, guys? Hmm? You start taking stuff apart. That's the universal thing to do when anything's broken. If hitting it doesn't, you know, kicking it, whatever, doesn't make it work, then you start taking it apart. That's, you don't need any repair manuals. That's the things you just got to do, guys, okay? Anyway, he starts taking it apart, and inside this flashlight are a bunch of crusty, ooey, gooey batteries. Uh, now, when you're a preacher, everything turns into a sermon illustration. And, and it turned into a sermon illustration for Ted Engstrom. He wrote, and he wrote about this and observed. He said, Christians like that flashlight are not meant to sit around in a drawer. They're meant to be used. And then he observed one of the reasons why there may be ooey-gooey Christians out there that have such crummy attitudes and sour dispositions, look like he swallowed a fish hook. I mean, what? reason why is because there's they're not being used they're not being deployed they're not enjoying the blessing and the benefit of, of and the fulfillment of of your destiny your purposes that god has for you you're not being used crusty christian uh, Man, God's got greater things for you. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why people, even though they're saved to serve, and that's God's design, and they're meant to be used, and God has all kinds of help and blessing for anybody that's willing to be used. Just available people is what God's looking for. All kinds of reasons why. Some people, for whatever reasons, after they got saved, they just never, ever got busy serving the Lord. Uh, uh, You know? I mean, yeah, you... Trusted Christ as your Savior, you know, you maybe even joined the church, got baptized, but for whatever reasons, you just never made the next connection and began serving the Lord. Never have. Uh, you know, that may be you. Uh, you know, you kind of remind me of this couple I read about here a few months ago. They bought a brand new Mazda 3 car. Uh, and uh, the salesman at the dealership—they lived in New Zealand, by the way—and uh, this couple, husband was 68 years old, wife was 65. But anyway, they had this brand new car. The salesman showed them a few things about. It. They took it home, sitting in their driveway. They—they they do what you do when you get a new car. You know, you sit in there for a while and try to figure everything out. Somehow, some way, they managed to lock themselves in the car and could not figure out how to unlock themselves from the car. I mean, they, they, they were locked in a brand spanking new car. Now, my best guess is is that they were in the back seat and had the little child lock things. But anyway, 13 hours, <laughs> they could not figure out how to get out of that car. Someone finally discovered them and got them out of this brand new car. They had to both be hospitalized as a result of that. Uh, brand spanking new car. You know, know, some of you folks, man, God has given you a brand spanking new life. Brand spanking new purpose. Brand spanking new direction in your life. And for whatever reasons, man, still living that out. It's all bottled up. It's all locked up. Your light's under a bushel, man. It it never gets used. Don't let that be you, man. Time to get out of the stinking car. (laughs) Time to start living that life that God has mapped out for you to, to live. Yeah, you, you know, there, there are some folks that never start serving the Lord. And, and, and I don't know how to say this nicely. We all forgive me in advance? You know, some people don't serve the Lord because they're selfish and lazy. You, you know, there's not a nice way to say that. I mean, there are some folks, I mean, they're just so lazy. If they were a dog, they wouldn't even wag their own tail. I mean, they had to lean up against the fence to bark they're so lazy. You know, just sit in a pew till their shadow wears a hole in the carpet. I mean, just just lazy, you know? And, and now, laziness and selfishness are usually the two sides of the same coin. You know, you're lazy because you're selfish and you're selfish because you're lazy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, why? Why? When we're called by the name of Christ to follow the example of the Christ and the life of Christ was poured out for our salvation on the cross, man. He gave his all for us. He lived his life for us. Dirty, rotten sinners that didn't deserve anything and gave us by his grace the opportunity to be saved, man. What kind of example are we following of Jesus when we live our lives selfishly and lazily? It's not Jesus' example we're following. Man, there there are some Christian folks that, that, I mean, they're far more inclined to sit in the lazy boy, kick back watching a CSI marathon or something, uh, you you know, than to, to do anything to serve the Lord in any capacity. Now, there's a little corollary that sometimes goes with the selfish and lazy, and that's the I've already done my part version of it. Folks, listen to me. As long as God's got you alive here on this earth, there are things that you can do. It may not be the stuff that you used to do physically, you know, mentally in some cases. You may not be able to do what you used to do, but you can always do something to serve the Lord. Always. Always. Uh, I had a ninety four year old lady in my first church that I pastored uh, she was our oldest member uh, and, and and she figured out some way till the day she died to serve the lord and i 'd go visit her and, and, and she 'd say, "Brother Jim, as long as I can wiggle i 'm going to keep wiggling for Jesus i mean that <laughs> you just need to keep wiggling for Jesus, even though you may not be able to take on the responsibilities and do the things that you used to do. You can find some capacity to serve the lord there There are some folks that don't serve the Lord because they've had some bad experiences. They've gotten burned out or burned. Uh, you know, and, and those folks are out there in churches. I mean, our church has got more has-beens than the Pro Football Hall of Fame, man. Uh, I mean, they're just has been I used to do this and used to be that and used to do this and that. I mean, just, and stuff happens. Uh, you know bad stuff happens sometimes you know we melt down sometimes the circumstances around us melt down and and you know there 's some wrecks along the way and, and and sometimes Christian people get caught up in those things, and they never ever do a, another crying thing to serve the Lord. Uh, Mark Twain has a saying he says you know once a cat sets on a hot stove he 's never going to set on a hot stove ever again, but he 's not going to set on a cold one either <laughs> uh, you, you know have you gotten burned out and, and burned and trying to serve the Lord in some capacity? And you came to that place in your life where you said, never again. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, sorry. Been there, done that, not doing it again. Folks, listen to me. If, if the grace of God is not sufficient enough to somehow patch you up when you get beat up and bruised, it's not very good grace, is it? If God can't get you back in in the trenches, get you back in the midst of the battle uh, when you're wounded, uh, he's not much of a healer, is he? (laughs) Folks, listen to me. The grace of God is enough to get you back in action. Regardless of what's happened to you, regardless of how bad it went, regardless of how poorly you were treated when you tried to serve the Lord before regardless of how burned out you got, Man, the grace of God is enough to get you back in the midst of serving him because you're saved to serve. Let go of that excuse, man, and get busy. (laughs) Let God do a work in your life. There are some folks that don't serve the Lord uh, because they, they feel like the things that they've gone through have just somehow disqualified them from serving the lord they think for that that they're not fit they're not no longer worthy they think that that their circumstances have somehow precluded them from being able to to serve the lord all i got to say to those folks is man you just don't know your bible very well uh, because God uses imperfect people far more than He uses perfect people, I guarantee you that. I mean, Moses was a drunk. Abraham was old. Uh, uh, you know, Isaac was a daydreamer. Uh, uh, Jacob was a liar. Uh, Leah was ugly. Uh, Joseph was abused. You know, Gideon was a fraidy cat. Samson was a long-haired hippie with women trouble. Uh, I mean, you know, David was an adulterer. Rahab was a prostitute. Uh, 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 Elijah was suicidal. Uh, Isaac preached naked. (laughs) Jeremiah was young. Uh, Job went bankrupt. Uh, uh, John the Baptist ate bugs. Martha was a worrywart. Man, Peter denied Christ. Lazarus was even dead, and God used all those people. And and he can use you as well if you are available. Uh, There is no such thing as a, a, an available, unusable Christian. If you're available by the grace of God, because of the grace of God, God can use you in the work of his kingdom. Now, I, one one other reason why people don't serve the Lord, even though they're saved to serve, is because they say that they're too busy. Now, that one just, uh, you, you know, we all have the same 24 hours, Right? You understand that? Uh, you know, we just kicked off a brand new year. And, you know, you get somewhere around 527,000 minutes, you know, in this leap year. You get a few extra, you know. Uh, and, and how you spend that time is really what I'm talking about. And, and really, this message is all about you making a decision today to spend your time differently. I mean, if Jesus saves your life, what, what is your life? Uh, it includes your time as well. Uh, it now You now belong to Jesus. Your soul belongs to Jesus. You as a person belong to Jesus, but your time belongs to Jesus as well. It, it's his. So how are you going to spend that time? You know, there's some folks who say, I'm just so busy, man. i got my job, my, all the stuff I'm doing. And, and all i got to say is a lot of that is just a bunch of bunk. It, it really is. Actually, there's been scientific studies done of this, and even though somewhere around 80% of people who actually have jobs and work these days will tell you that they work hard or work over, they feel like they're overworked, the reality is this. You have to go back 500 years to find any change in the total number of hours that people work. They've scientifically studied this. And you know what was the difference? The invention of, of lighting that enabled people to work longer hours. Uh, uh, Five hundred years it 's been essentially the same amount of time that people have devoted to to their, their work now another study separate study found that average American lies about the number of hours that they work each week by up to thirty percent, but that 's probably another po- sermon, another point to be made. But, you know, People talk about how busy they are and how they don't have time for serving the Lord. They don't have time to do things at church. They're so busy, 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 busy. And folks, all i got to say to you is if you are too busy for Jesus, you are too stinking busy. <laughs> Uh, it, it's, it's how you spend your time. It's how you appropriate your time. It's the choices that you make that determines how you live your lives. You are in charge of you. You are in control of how you spend your time. You choose. You make that decision. And how you spend your life is ultimately in your control, to a degree at least. So what are you doing? How are you spending your time? Uh, now, you could, you, know, you can play, you know, I work so hard, and my employer expects this of me, you know, and we've got to make money to pay for the bills that we have and buy the stuff we have and all that kind of stuff. You, reality is this. Another study found that the average American spends five hours per day in various forms of entertainment media surfing on the internet, watching television, playing video games, you know, uh, uh, doing whatever they do. I mean, folks, listen to me. Five hours a day, I just ask you a simple question. You know, can't Jesus have some of that time? Seriously, can he? You know, if if, if you were sitting at a table right across from Jesus, uh, and he had in his hands a complete breakdown of your schedule, how you lived your life, every minute of it. I mean, he there was no fooling him. <laughs> and, and he were looking you square in the eyes. He said, you know, can't you give me some more time out of your life? Can't you give me another hour, an hour or two a week? How would you answer Jesus? I'm oh, sorry, Jesus, man, I'm so busy. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't have time for that. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> or you're going know, to say, well, you know, that's that use of that time right there is not really that great a priority. And there's better things that, that I could use my time. Folks, listen to me. Uh, Jesus is asking. <laughs> there is this kingdom thing going on. And we're participants in it. And we're to be sold out to Jesus. We're to be all in, leaving it all out on the field for Jesus. Living a life that's, that's completely yielded over to him. And how dare we waste this Jesus life that he's given us. Now, one of the things I point out in this story is, is that there, there's something that's about to happen. And that is that the whole town of Capernaum's basically at the door. <laughs> Revival's about to break out, and there was help that was needed. What would happen if Greenville went into a time of spiritual awakening? <laughs> would we even have enough people to, to follow up the decisions that were made? Would we have enough Sunday school teachers? Would we have enough people to carry out the various ministries? If, if God really did bless and something great like that really did happen, would we even begin to be ready for it? Folks, listen to me. Serving the Lord on the front end is an act of faith and belief that God is indeed going to do something great. I remember when Brother Matt came here as pastor. I think I sat down to lunch with him in his second week here. Uh, And even though there had been a few months past since I'd served here as interim pastor, one of the things I told Brother Matt, and I still believe it today, and that is this church right now, has enough leader potential people in this church to be a church of 3,000 or more. Sitting here in this place today, people who have the capacity to lead ministries and to mobilize, to train others, and do all the things that enable a church really to have turbocharged growth. Folks, listen to me. That potential, this church has a potential to, to uh, for an amazing God thing to take place. This church can be a miracle. And folks, listen to me. What I'm pleading with you about is it's time to get this thing off the chain. It is time to turn this thing loose. Man, it's time to ramp it up. The, the, the church is never to be uh, an institution that, that constrains ministry, but it's to be an a, a body that enables ministry. Folks, listen to me. The possibilities... What God can do in through this church are are limited only by a limitless God. We live in a town where there's a hundred churches, literally, in Greenville, Texas. There are churches all over the place. The people who need Jesus Christ and need to be reached in this town, all the easy ones are already in a church someplace. Folks, I I can tell you that, man. To reach this community for Christ... Uh, it's going to take people crossing barriers. It's going to take ministries that reach out to people in particular needs that they have. Man, it's going to take mobilization of a body of believers in an unprecedented kind of way. It's going to take commitment of our time and energy and our resources. It's going to take people who are all about Jesus. And listen to me, that's what I'm talking about. You know, if you people are here today, if this, folk, this body of believers here today would just even carve out an hour or two per week, it would be the equivalent of this church hiring 10 more staff members. Just an hour or two a week among the people that are gathered here today. Man, and then that's I'm considering the multiplying factor of what that can mean. Uh, As God multiplies our labor, as God blesses our labors, as God calls out more people to come and join us as we serve him, man, the possibilities are just almost unbelievable. And and, and folks, as we begin this new year, uh, I'm just asking you, can Jesus have more of your time? Are you willing to serve Jesus in new ways, because you're saved to serve, right? Are you willing to serve Jesus in new capacities in new ways? Are you willing to embrace leadership roles that that, well, you know, that's responsibility. I don't want responsibility. Are you willing to pour your lives into the lives of other people? Are you willing to take on the challenge that Christ has laid out for you? That's what I'm asking about. Now, there may be some of you here this morning, I mean, your life is a total zero waste because you don't know Jesus as your Savior. And the best decision that you can ever make in your life is give your life to Him. To be saved today. Jesus died on the cross To you be saved, man. As Jesus preached at another synagogue in, in, in his hometown of Nazareth, man, he's, he said, I'm here to proclaim the good news to the poor people. Man, I'm here to heal the brokenhearted. I'm here to set the captives free. And folks, listen to me. Jesus heals people and Jesus uh, proclaims the good news to people that, that have no other reason to live on this earth. Jesus has the capacity to set Anybody from any anybody free from anything, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a situation, Jesus is the answer. And the best decision that you can make with your life is to give your life completely to Him. You don't have to waste another year of your life. 2016 does not have to be like 2015 and 2014. You don't have to waste another minute, another second. Give your life to Jesus Christ. I'm calling to you as a church. Are you willing? To begin this new year with a commitment to Christ, Lord, I hear you lord i 'm available lord i 'm listening to what instructions that you have lord i 'm willing to revisit my schedule uh, why don 't we begin this year at an altar on our knees, saying yes, Lord, whatever it is that you want me to do in my life i 'm all about you now christ your life you 're living your life through me and i'm i 'm all in favor of that, Lord, I want you to have your way with me. I'm going to ask you to stand and bow your heads. This is a serious time. I'm, folks, I'm not joking. <laughs> Man, don't waste the precious minutes of 2016 indulging on ourselves ourselves. Right here, right now, this invitation, just turn it all over to Him. Would you join with me in prayer? Our Heavenly Father. Lord, we recognize that indeed we're saved to serve. And Father, sometimes we become blind to the needs. Lord, sometimes we become blind to the opportunity. Sometimes we become selfish. Sometimes we become lazy. Sometimes we come up with all kinds of excuses of why we cannot serve you. And Lord, I pray that you just somehow wipe all those things away. To all that remains is just a simple willingness in our hearts, a simple yes, Lord. Father, I, there may be people here today, Lord, that you're calling to undertake missions, activities around the world. Lord, there may be people that you're calling on to launch a new ministry out of this church. Lord, there there may be people that you're calling to preach. There may be people that you're calling to, to, to serve in other ways, Lord. There may be people that are being raised up to be Sunday school teachers or, or to become involved in this light to darkness training or whatever it is, Lord, that you have... In mind, Lord, we pray that this invitation, Lord, that you would just do your thing here in your church today, Lord. And, and Father, we pray that Christ would be glorified in it. In His name we pray. Amen. As God speaks to your heart, this is His invitation. You just respond however it is the Lord tells you to respond. You come.